tuned into localjobnetwork.com radio and you're listening to the LGN Radio Quad, where our radio hosts gather to share their thoughts, ideas, and perspectives on all topics employment related. I'm Jacqueline Peterson and joining me in today's quad is Lynn Molitor. Hi, everyone. Tim Muma. Hey, everybody. And Jamie Goebel. Hello. Now, before we dive into today's quad topics, a quick reminder for our listeners out there, please follow us on Twitter at the LJN and use hashtag LJN radio to tweet a response to today's quad. And we will actually be giving a Starbucks gift card to our favorite tweet. Now, regarding today's topics, we have a great lineup as always. And Lynn, I wanted to start us off with you today. So I was thinking about customer service. It's always on the forefront of my mind as I'm out and about. And customer service often and does uh, reflect a company's image. So it got me thinking about uh, what's the type of service that we appreciate and what is the type of service that actually could turn us off to a company where we're actually a lost customer. So I know for me personally, or for our company, I should say, I, one of the important things is that someone always answers the phone here. Mm. So you're not going to get put into a voicemail menu type system. And I don't know about you guys, but it's like when I'm like trying to call a cable company or something, <laughs> it's like you just want to like talk to a person. Mm. And I'm always trying Definitely. to say live person, live person. <laughs> and then it puts you to another menu. So I know for me... You know, I don't like going in, in, into that kind of a system. So it's nice that here we always try and have a, a person to talk to. I think that's easier. But I know, like, for me personally, when I'm out and about, I do like, you know, when I'm waiting in line, I understand the pa- patients needed to wait in line. But then when I do reach the head of the line, I like to get the attention that I was patient enough to wait for. And I know recently I was somewhere and I waited in line. I got to the front and then the phone rang. And so guess what? The phone call (laughs) took precedence. Mm. And then then I felt awkward because I had to actually stand there listening to him. (laughs) You know, and I'm thinking, couldn't she like put him on hold and say you're with someone? Right. Right. So that's just a couple of my ideas that I'm tossing out there. What do you guys think? I like this topic a lot. I'm actually in process of selling my house and buying a new house, which is a new experience for me I've never done before in my life. And I'm out there ready to purchase some things. And so I've been dealing with a lot of customer service. And one of the things that I notice really turns me off is a lack of follow-up. I find that when I'm interested in working with somebody and I found somebody I like and a product I like, I want that to kind of follow through with everything else, like not just the product speak for itself, but I don't want to have to make a lot of calls to follow up with them. I'd like them to follow up with me. Right, yeah. And that's really not the case out there with a lot of companies. Hmm. And so it really kind of turned me off to some of the different vendors I was looking to work with. And it made me think about, you know, myself and my follow-up skills. And now I'm a little bit more sensitive to it. And um, so that's one of the things for me that I think is definitely really, really important. Yeah, because you want your cert, you want your, you to be valued as a customer. Oh, exactly. Yeah. And you do feel like you're not valued and you don't feel important and you feel like, oh, well, maybe I should take my business elsewhere because they're really not that interested in working with me. Yeah. And I'm sure that's not the company's case. And I'm sure they maybe don't realize they're being perceived that way. Mm-hmm. So I think, you know, follow up is definitely important. Yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Uh, in a lot of ways, I'm 
pretty simple, I think, with it. I mean, just general politeness, a smile, uh, which is funny because I don't necessarily walk around smiling at the office all day. But, <laughs> but, when, you, but when I'm working with somebody or, you know, on the phone, you can hear that just kind of general, positive, pleasant demeanor. So, I mean, that's really a big thing for me. And actually, I, I recently um, read an article and talked to somebody about kind of this culture clash sometimes where there was a, uh, a receptionist who was working at a front desk and a lot of people thought she was kind of rude and unpleasant. And it turns out she was from Puerto Rico and she was young. And what they're taught to do is avert your eyes, speak softly to anyone oh. older than you. Oh. Well, if you're a receptionist in the United States, it's the exact opposite. You want to be eyes up. You want to be speaking loudly, clearly. So sometimes there's like, we don't really know why right. that's happening. So I, I try to be a little like, yeah, you know, relaxed about stuff like that. But typically I would say around here, just, yeah, just general politeness. I mean, if I have a question, answer it. The only difficult part for me is I, I also like to, if I'm out like say shopping or something, I prefer to avoid the small talk and just, you know, <laughs> stick to business, get it done and get out of there. No, that's just my demeanor. So Nice and polite, but quick and moving on. So, whereas some people might like a conversation or how's your day going? And that's not me. So, <laughs> that's funny, Tim. Uh, one thing that I really appreciate is when I'm connecting with a vendor or whatnot and they don't know the answer to my question and they say, I don't know the answer to your question, but I'll find out for you. Or I don't know the answer to your question, but I'll find someone who does. Mm -hmm. Obviously, I've got a question and I need it answered. The last thing I want to say to you is, well, can you find someone who can answer my question or <laughs> right, what? Yeah. So that's always helpful for me. And I try to do that even with my direct reports. You know what? I, I, honestly, I don't know the answer to that question. I'll, I'll find out for you. And I think that that's helpful. That just shows customer service regardless of who you're working with. One of the things that I don't like is sort of on the same vein of you, Lynn, is when I've been waiting in line and then I get to the line and you don't even acknowledge me. Mm. And you might be doing something. I mean, you might be, I don't know, filling someone's soda or, or grabbing a new receipt, but just acknowledge like, oh, just a minute. Right. You know, yeah. that's just for me, it's just like I'm standing there. Yeah. Like you're an inconvenience to them. Right. You know, and on, right. the, fl on the flip side of that, if you are a customer, please don't be on your cell phone when you're like, checking out or something oh. i just find that incredibly rude like you have people waiting in line you're like on your phone trying to make a purchase and all this stuff it's like mm -hmm. yeah i mean it's got to go both ways i think a little bit but oh, but yeah. i but i like what you said jack and too about the honesty part of it i'd prefer you just let me know you got to find somebody else as opposed to sort of walking around the issue and then or making up an answer right which yeah that's the worst so <laughs> yeah so I, I i definitely appreciate that side of it yeah yeah well, good one yeah well switching gears a bit um let's talk about hiring Jamie, what do you want to chat about? Well, I came across a good article. It was about why companies aren't getting the employees they need. I thought it was really interesting because being in the industry that we're in, we are working with employers that are trying to find people every day. And we keep hearing so much about the talent shortage out there. And this article took a different spin that, you know, maybe it's not so much that we should be focusing on a talent shortage, but focusing on other ways to get people in the door that you can train those skills. And some of those old time things like apprenticeships and um, more internships and different ways of getting the people that you need up to speed. So I just thought it was really relevant given what we're hearing from our customers and just knowing what's going on out there in the workplace, in the workforce right now. So I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. You know, I found it interesting when I was looking at this article um, and they said like skilled workers were a hard yes. hard to fill. And um, I kind of always took some of this personally. I went to college 
but my brother did not go to college. Mm. And, you know, to me, to each his own, I think there's a place for everyone in the world, but there really has been a push to get college education for everyone. And so I can see where if you're not inclined to go to college, that's got to be hard as a kid, Mm -hmm. you know, thinking, well, I don't want to do that. And I think there are a lot of jobs like for skilled workers and there's programs. I I mean, I still, you still need to get trained, be it through a technical high school or college. But I think some of that might have it had like reverse effects, you know, where everyone thought they had to go to college so that they were going, even though maybe that wasn't something that they were inclined to do. And to, and I think when you go the college route, you're not looking to be an electrician. At not least at I don't all. think so. Mm-hmm. So <laughs> I apologize if I'm wrong about that. <laughs> well, there's that. trades and then there's right. Yeah. non-trades. So I think that might have, you know, now we're starting to hear more about skilled workers, you know, Mm -hmm. there's a need. So now I think we're starting to see some of that tipping where it's like, okay, people, it's okay. (laughs) I agree with you completely, Lynn. And I find it interesting. My husband's in the trades actually, and there's no shortage of work. He can't keep up with the work. So if anybody wants to go into a field (laughs) where there's no shortage of jobs, Mm -hmm. it's definitely a place to be. But I think you're absolutely right that because everybody started to promote the four-year college degree track that people thought or were concerned that they wouldn't have job security if they didn't do that, that now we are in that predicament. So we need to think outside the box and figure out how to get people in those roles. Yeah. I think a number of points that are brought up there, and I think we've heard this for a number of years, is that, you know, a lot of employers, not that they don't want to train or they're not interested in training somebody who might not have the exact skill set or exact experience you're looking for, but it's difficult because finances are spread out. You're having people doing multiple jobs. You know, it used to be like you had a title, you had a role, and that was it. And now, of course, with a lot of organizations, including here, you want that flexibility. You want people to be able to to move around and, and add value across the board. Uh, So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect there where oftentimes when you go to school, it it gets so focused and narrowed. So even though the education is there and the skill might be there, they're not maybe fitting into a role that's versatile enough. But I do think, I mean, internships are huge. I mean, I come from the media side where, I mean, it's required. It's required as a part of your schooling. It's required to, I mean, even get that experience, get a job, hands-on items. And, you know, talking about the trades, uh, the skilled trades, apprenticeships, obviously, and and items like that. So, I mean, it's definitely a challenge. I think think it goes both ways a little bit. Um, There's obviously a lot of people looking for jobs and you hear about the unemployment rate. So um, employers can be a little choosier with what they're going with in a lot of cases. But sometimes I just think, yeah, I I think it's just this this odd mismatch and maybe a transition like you talked about, Lynn, um, between education versus skilled trades and where does that sort of all come together. I think that's kind of where the challenge is. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, One thing that I liked in the article, Jamie, was about internal hires. I think even as our organization is growing, we are getting more into that sort of mode of grooming our own talent and moving them around within various departments. At least that's what I've seen within the last couple of years. And I think that that has really helped because they obviously know the ropes of the organization better. They have a sincere interest. You know, if they're talking to their managers and saying, like, I might be interested in that position, they've already done sort of their homework and know what is to be expected in that particular role. So I like the idea of grooming those internal hires. And I think that employers, for those employers who aren't taking advantage of, to definitely look at that as an option in addition to apprenticeships and internships and things like that. And then maybe for different positions, maybe lower level ones, then you can hire those outside 
individuals who just graduated who need the training and then kind of, again, groom them from within and then just kind of continue to promote them and transfer them according to their interests. So I like that. Those are all good points. And I think one of the other things that I noticed in the article that I liked as well is like getting people involved across different departments for projects, because that way you kind of get your hands into some different skills Mm -hmm. and areas that you might not be familiar with, that you learn other areas of the business. And you might find some skills and abilities there that you didn't even know you had. So I think that was a good one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thanks for your feedback. Well, (laughs) keeping on the topic of employment, Tim, you wanted to chat about managers. Yeah. And I really just wanted to throw out a question there. We have uh, some excellent experience in here in in terms of um, just working and management type uh, of situations as well. Uh, And I've seen, again, a number of articles talk to people about this. When you're talking about a manager in general, maybe not necessarily a new one, but probably in a lot of cases. But what would you point to as being the number one reason that they struggle, that they fail, that they have trouble maybe making that transition? I mean, is there something that you've seen that's a common occurrence? Maybe one of you went through something similar. Sometimes I think people need to hear that, hey, it's okay. You're not going to move in and be this perfect manager. And we've talked about this before where you may be great at your job and then you're moved into a management position. It's not something you've done before. It's not like you're just adding on to your your skill set, but you're actually trying to learn something new as far as managing people. So I guess I just want to kind of throw it out there and give people an idea of maybe uh, some pratfalls they need to pay attention to. Oh, I think as a manager or just even as someone who's taking a lead role or mentoring or whatever the role is, you're getting more responsibility, Mm -hmm. I think, in general. And I think what you're getting at is, you know, you've mastered your current job, you're getting more responsibility, and then there's obstacles that you're coming against because you're not necessarily, you're new at this role. So how do you become successful at it? And I think one of the things is to, honestly, it's as simple as it sounds, I always like take notes when I'm talking to people, when they're asking me for something, I have my legal pad, my pen, and then I just cross things off because you don't want anything to fall through the cracks. I think as a manager, as a leader, as a mentor, if you're letting things fall through the cracks, people will lose faith in you and credibility in you. And I think that once you lose that, it's hard to gain it back because that person who was maybe relying on you is maybe not as confident in your skill set or are they going to get this? So Mm -hmm. I think as a leader, manager, mentor, whatever the situation is, to do your best not to let things fall through the cracks as best as your ability because you don't want to lose anyone's credibility. I like that. Actually, I wrote down one thing and it was follow through. I feel like good managers have excellent follow through. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that is that trust thing and that credibility thing that Jacqueline was talking about. But I think it's also important for people to consider that when you don't have that follow through, your team members are not getting the coaching and development and the nurturing that they need to do well in their role. And that will impact you. And, you know, at the end of the day, as a manager, you want to be building those people. You want to be growing your department, your team. And if you're not doing that, you're not helping them. You're not helping yourself or the company either. Sure. So I think it plays a bigger role than people might think. It's not just getting answers back to somebody. I mean, it plays a much, much bigger role than that. So I took a slightly different <laughs> twist on your question. I think with uh, in terms of managers, sometimes it, it can be not a good fit. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times you don't know it until you're there. I mean, and I do encourage everyone to like try it out if they're so inclined. <laughs> um, but I know sometimes it can be a, like a mindset 
change because as a worker you're you know you're pretty much thinking about yourself and you know what you need to get done and maybe how you advance in the company right. and then as a manager all of a sudden it's like okay I got to focus on you know company goals and then I got to worry about this group of people that I'm managing, you know, and then number three is then it's me. At least <laughs> that's how I've approached it. I'm sure other people would have different opinions. It's like, well, I'm always number one and then I'll worry about, you know, two, three and four. But so I think in, you know, when I look back at my career, the people that have had the hard time with managing, it just hasn't been a good role fit. And I always commend the person who says, you know, this isn't a good comfort zone for me. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go and back to what we would call an individual contributor. Because it's not like they, you know, they have a lot of skills and value. And sometimes it's just a a misconnect. So what's I, your, oh, sorry. <laughs> what's your perspective on it not being a good fit? Like, can you give us our listeners some examples of like what, in your opinion, would be like, eh, that's probably not the right fit for that person? Well, I think it's just a, uh, it's an individual basis. You know, it's not like, you know, it's more like internal. You know, do I feel comfortable in this position? Do I, do I believe in what the company is asking me to do to be an advocate for the company? Because I know sometimes, you know, I've had to, you know, put forth a company policy and say, oh, this doesn't feel right to me, but <laughs> I need to sell this. And then I got to listen to now, you know, 10 people tell me why they don't like it and I have to still sell it, mm -hmm. you know, so... Um, Maybe people, they just have a lot going on sometimes in their personal life where um, it wasn't maybe a good fit for them to, you know, sometimes as a manager, you take on a lot of problems or issues from mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. a team, not like from team members, but project issues, you know, so sure. that's a lot to take on during a day. And so I've had some friends in the past, you know, years ago, and it was like, uh, this is just, you know, I, I get a charge out of my work. I get a charge out of leading projects, uh, working on projects. But I, you know, all the other stuff that comes with a manager, you know, that's just my take on it. I like that perspective, Lynn, because you're right about the different mindset. And it is one of those things as somebody that manages managers, right, that's yeah. really difficult. You could have somebody that is a top performer and they have the skills and the abilities that you want to translate down to others that you see as potentially the best fit in the world. But if they don't have that mental shift that you're talking about where they see the bigger picture and they want to help grow and groom those other people, it's not going to be the best interest of those employees working with them either. So I think right. that's a good— Yeah, and there's nothing wrong with, you know, the person is still talented and right. it just, you know, it just maybe maybe not a fit. The good thing is I've rarely seen this in terms <laughs> of where it's not been a good fit, mm -hmm. you know, because I think a lot of people are— they're looking to improve themselves, take on new challenges. Right. So there are a lot of benefits. Can we like go back to a couple of your topics from a couple of weeks ago? You know, why is why do you want to be a manager? <laughs> Does <laughs> that help him? Yeah, I mean, it's a lot to think about uh, for sure. But I think some some great points um, that you all brought up, and and even you know, it might just be a mental thing as opposed to some of the you know actual physical items we're talking about. So um, yeah, definitely uh, good advice for anybody out there who's thinking about moving in that position or maybe have been asked to be. Yeah, always helpful on the show. 
But it takes time too. So as long as <laughs> you're does. still interested and you're asking the right questions and you might be struggling into your new role, but as long as you're still interested, that's all that matters. So yes, it's very patient. rewarding. Yes. So um, I'm actually going to close this out with the last topic. And I want to talk about telecommuting. I was actually watching the news the other day and it was on. I feel like it's becoming more commonplace now. So when I was Googling some articles and I found this one case study that Berkeley University did. And so I wanted to ask you guys two questions. One, what are some ideas that you think would be successful for telecommuting or anything like that? And then uh, what would be, I guess, what would be doable? Like, what are your perspectives on that? Uh, I know we've sort of touched on it before. And then how to make it successful? Because we can all come up with these great ideas of what we think uh, might work. But how do you really make it successful? And I'm actually a, a user of telecommuting. So I know we've sort of, like I said, touched on it before. But I just wanted to get your your thoughts on this since it seems to be more. I always more, defer to you, Jacqueline. More of a hot topic. <laughs> I think you're living it every day. I know. So <laughs> I would defer to you. <laughs> well, you can't. You got to answer the question. <laughs> well, I mean, as you said, though, I mean, it is something that I think is a, a huge topic now and a hot topic comes up all the time. I mean, you see different articles. And of course, you have the back and forth with your your Yahoo, how they were doing it one way. And then the, the CEO decided, well, it's not really working or we need to make an adjustment. So to your point, Jacqueline, it, it's really going to be a case by case basis. Um, but, you know, I like ideas of, of making it sort of, you know, maybe it's a couple days a week, maybe, but you have to have these parameters sort of set aside. You have to prove you can do that work. And it's not going to work for every industry, every profession. Uh, I know I, when I, my, one of my previous positions, um, the organization that was next door to us was like a, a repair shop for different appliances and copiers and all kind of stuff. And they had had a store for the longest time. And and they got to the point where they're like, you know what? It makes more sense for us financially to do everything telecommuting and we'll, oh. we'll go to you all the time. So there's no reason to really have a shop. So for them, it was purely financial as far as why are we paying rent for this place? I mean, we mm-hmm. can just do stuff on site. We do everything online. It works that way. So I could see that as being a benefit. Uh, and then the other side, just of course, from the employee side, um, you know, there are a lot of studies that show production is often higher uh, when you're doing at least some work at home because there's sort of this good balance. Um, a lot of times you spend more time working at home because you don't have to worry about commuting. If it takes you a half an hour, it takes you an hour to get in. Now you have that time to literally be working and you tend to log on right away and you tend to stay on a little longer because you've got nowhere to go. So it, it is very fascinating to look at some of the items. And um, I think it's, it's definitely a challenge for any employer out there who's trying to figure it all out. But if, if, you can, if you can crunch some of those numbers, read some of those studies, I think, I think you can find that, that sort of sweet spot, that, that balance there. Um, and I would encourage, I mean, any employer to, to look into that. Again, understanding what your industry is, what your employees are like, and how you can make that fit into the grand scheme of things, not just for you know, this person or that person. Do you have any like specific ideas on what you think would be doable? I mean, depending on the industry or? Yeah, I mean, I think... I do think it's important to have some, you know, face to face and and group meetings like that. But I think if you set aside like even if it was like one day a week where, hey, this person or this department or whatever is going to be working from home this day. Maybe that's a day that they can anything that they can do that it doesn't require you to be in your office specifically. And now they can focus on that task that's all taken care of. And now the rest of the week. That's where you do your, your meetings. That's where you do your face-to-face. That's where you do your, your physical together. And that, that's the way I kind of look at it. And I saw the, the numbers on here as far as how much people commute and one day per week, two, day, you know, yeah. two days per week. Um, so I, and that's the way I kind of look at it. I don't think, it, I think it's difficult to do it five days a week or, right. or if you just do it one. I mean, again, it's going to depend on, on the role that everybody has in their organization. 
I kind of like all the different points in here. I mean, obviously, it's been in the news. I've read things on it. It's related to our industry with employment. I always kind of struggle with the, you know, five days a week or the extreme of one day a week. I feel like, you know, five days a week is too much. I've managed people that have worked remotely and I feel like they are disconnected and Mm. disengaged. And that's really difficult. And you don't want them to feel that way. You also want them to have ample opportunity to grow and develop. So I feel like that extreme is just out of question for me, out of mind. But I do think, you know, having some flexibility like this is good. I think, you know, it shows that a lot of people do work longer hours. I know for myself, I did, you know, telecommute at one point and I felt like I was logging in early. I was, you know, staying past the the given time, you know, because the other thing is as an employee that has done that before, you're actually kind of having to do more to prove yourself because you're not physically there. So (laughs) you want people to see that you appreciate this. You're working so hard. And I felt like that was really good for me to kind of um, have some time where I had less interruptions, where I could get more of that just hard work done Mm -hmm. with, you know, having that time away from the office. But I definitely like the face-to-face time as well. So I think there would just have to be some restrictions, you know, and making sure that it's not, you know, an extreme, somebody wants to do it five days a week. And I think it's not for every person. And I don't think it's for every role. That's a good So point. I think, you know, there's some employees that over the years, I've had different management roles that might not be a good fit because, you know, they they ask a lot of questions and they're not really self-reliant. And, you know, unfortunately, oh, yeah. you know, they just might not be the best fit to work remotely. But then there's other ones that are self-starters. They get the job done. You know, they need little management where, you know, hey, you know, I I would be all for it. So I think there has to be some of those, you know, barriers in place just to make sure that, you know, it's working for everyone. Mm -hmm. Sure. I think I think key to success is technology now, Mm -hmm. because I have to say I'm amazed, you know, now that we've got this Internet phone system in our own office, you know, regardless of where I'm at, I can always get a phone call and, you know, be it I'm at home, I'm in a different office. It really kind of makes that seamless to to the person Mm -hmm. um, who's calling that they don't they don't have the faintest idea where you are. But sometimes <laughs> yes. you do have to explain. It's like, okay, I'm not exactly in the office right now, but I am <laughs> handling your phone call. Right. So, but I know like in um for me over the years, it really came down to what you had a had mentioned, Jamie. It's like when I needed like quiet time to really pound something out. And that was for me annual performance appraisal time. Oh, good one. <laughs> um, we always, uh, years ago, we sat in cubes. So, I mean, we had to write all of them, you know, in a cubicle. So, a lot of times we were encouraged actually to work at home hmm. just because it was quiet. Mm-hmm. And so you could, you know, concentrate on, on that. So, You know, that was a benefit. So quiet time. (laughs) I like that. And actually, um, technology was a big thing in this article that Jacqueline had shared with us as well, that, you know, that's where I don't think every company could do it well if they don't have all those technology pieces, because then it wouldn't be seamless for your business. So, But a good investment technology. Oh, it sure is. I think Jamie brought it up perfectly. If you're telecommuting, you're taking on that added responsibility of proving yourself. I can manage myself when I'm at home. I don't need you to be concerned with what I'm doing because I assure you that 
you will see it with my productivity. And I think that that's really important as someone who telecommutes and can speak from experience. You do work more or you do work harder. I mean, or smarter, whatever, however you want to call it. You mm -hmm. know, maybe you don't take an hour lunch because you're friends in the office aren't inviting you to lunch. So you're like, well, I'll just go grab something and come back. But you do end up finding um, those reasons to be logged on sooner or work through your lunch or take a 30-minute lunch or stay later or whatever it is. But I do think that it's important to have times to cut yourself off because you do need to get up and stretch your legs. Um, but I also agree. I don't think that telecommuting is for everyone. I think it's definitely someone you have to assess and figure out if it's the right fit. And I don't think that there are the same flex time or telecommuting that each person can have. Everyone might have a variable idea or schedule of what that might be. So, you know, but but you definitely have to prove yourself because uh, it's definitely something that is earned mm -hmm. uh, from my perspective. Well, that's all for today. Thank you for our listeners across the country. And you can connect with any one of us at the LJN Radio Quad. Please, by sending us a message at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com. Tell us what you would like to talk about in our next quad. And remember to follow us on Twitter at the LJN. And then, of course, use hashtag LJN Radio. And again, we will give a Starbucks gift card to our favorite treat regarding today's quad. For Lynn Molitor, Tim Yuma, Jamie Goble, I'm Jacqueline Peterson. And thanks for listening. Thank you.